Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. Attention, true crime enthusiast. Searching for a way to unwind after diving deep into the mysteries that keep you up at night? Look no further. Introducing Lazarus Naturals, your trusted companion for CBD relief. With a commitment to transparency, Lazarus Naturals oversees every step from farm to doorstep, ensuring purity and quality you can trust. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today and discover how CBD can help you decompress and recharge for your next investigation. That's LazarusNaturals.com. Lazarus Naturals, your partner in unraveling the mysteries of true crime. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. A production of iHeartRadio. Hello, welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. My name is Noel. They call me Ben. We are joined, as always, with our super producer, Seth the Shadow Johnson. Most importantly, you are you, you are here, and that makes this the stuff they don't want you to know. How's my uh, how's my prop comedy game this morning, I, guys? I'm not convinced that you are you, Ben. <laughs> you can be well, anyone you want to be. Well, we're vast. We contain multitudes. Uh, for anyone who sees this on video, I am rocking one of my favorite masks. This is an avatar that I use uh, to do completely non-sketchy things. And today we're talking about something that people uh, will tell you is completely non-sketchy. But for the purposes of today's episode, let me take off this mask real quick. I have to ask, Ben, um, before we move on, are those blinks one-to-one with your actual blinks, or are they just on a set loop? I, I, I have to know. For now, uh, I have these on a set loop. Uh, if if we could describe the mask uh, for the people who are listening, this is a... This is a neat thing I found uh, a while back. It's a LED mask that allows you to uh, 
uh, program any number of different symbols. Let's see what else I got here. Oh, yeah. Oh, it, it allows you to put in like now I've moved from just blinking eyes to one big creepy eye that is also sleepy. So uh, let me take this off and let, let's do the show. Ugh. It's okay, is. guys. It's me. I'm 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 still here. I'm, like a, it looks like a fencing mask or something, or like one of those squid game masks. <laughs> yes. And it's not a super comfortable fit. You can see the lines from where the mask was on my face. Uh, wow. so for fashion, one. baby. Yeah. For fashion. Just as a reminder as a, and as a framing for this episode, we are all talking to each other via our computers, and we are looking mm -hmm. at video representations of one another. And we are not yes. in the same place. And no. Not, no, no physical presence here. And our producer is in the Pacific Northwest. And True. I have one of those filters on that makes it look like I've got really high cheekbones. Uh, this isn't actually me, guys. It's just, it's a what? Facsimile. Yeah. I'm not actually suspected. this good looking. Oh, no. Don't beat yourself up. Well, look, we're living in a digital world now. And if you saw the title of today's episode... You probably heard the shiniest new term that's being thrown around Silicon Valley, the metaverse, not to be confused with the multiverse of uh, various spiritual belief systems and most recently of the Marvel Universe. The metaverse is the next step in humanity's evolution online. You'll also hear it referred to as Web 3.0. Uh, another antecedent would be the Internet of Things, where all, all your devices were connected in a larger online agglomeration. But very recently, everybody's favorite social media boogeyman, Facebook, came into the news with a very strange announcement. The company is changing its name. It's becoming part of something bigger. It's calling itself Meta, and it is a big proponent of this Metaverse idea. It's evangelizing for it. But the question is, what is it exactly? Why should we care? And should you be afraid of what is certainly about to happen? You know, when the announcement came that Facebook was going to rebrand, I was really hoping they were going to go with some uh, version of Sweet Baby Ray's. You know? <laughs> bring the, bring was, that into the family. Yeah. It's weird that Mark hasn't bought that yet. Also, it's hilarious to me that a PR company spent millions of dollars trying to get Congress to call him Mark instead of Mr. Zuckerberg. Swing and a miss. I wonder how much he, I wonder, I wonder what the budget of that backyard barbecue video of his was. Like, like he probably spent a million just to make it look kind of boring and banal in like a regular backyard. What, what price can you put on wholesomeness? You know, uh, also, it's a shame because they clearly could have gone for a little bit of humor and rebranded the face butt. I don't think that's going to happen, but I, <laughs> but they didn't, they didn't answer my email. Uh, so, here are the facts. We're talking about the metaverse. Uh, we have to we have to kind of dissect the term because, like any corporate initiative, there's going to be a lot of newfangled terminology, a lot of slick buzzwords. It's TED Talk style. It's pop science. You want to get people excited, and you don't want them to have to ask too many questions. Let me fix my cowlick here. Your avatar looks great, Ben. Oh, thank I'm, you. I'm I'm rocking a full like Lyle Lovett duck hairdo this morning. And, and Matt, <laughs> Matt, to reciprocate for that compliment, your avatar always looks awesome. Making mm, my day. You know it. <laughs> <laughs> just, 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 to, just to clarify terms real quick. I mean, 
a video facsimile, even if it is exactly you, is still an avatar, right? Yeah, avatar is just a representation of you. Uh, so it depends on what you would consider a representation. Uh, if you wanted to go hardline with the definition, then anytime you are not physically in the same room with someone talking to them, you are communicating with their avatar. You could even say this about a phone call because what you're hearing is a reproduction of someone's voice conveyed to you through another medium. So there's, there's an audio avatar as well. As a matter of fact, while you're listening to this podcast, you are hearing three avatars. You are hearing our voices translated through several different platforms and mediums to get inside your ears. You know, it's interesting. The, one of the other definitions of avatar comes from Hinduism and right. it refers to a manifestation of a deity or released soul in bodily form on earth, uh, which obviously is, you know, how what plays into that, uh, that, that cartoon series, the Air, Avatar, The Last Airbender. But in An a incarnation. way, that's not that, it's just kind of a, like a high uh, spiritual kind of definition of, of what we're talking about. You know, obviously it makes sense that they would have grabbed that term and sort of retrofitted it for the digital age. There's also some deep roots in Gnosticism here. Mm. The idea of a life lived astride two realities, one of which is uh, inherently flawed, but which one? <laughs> shout out, shout out to all my fellow Gnosticism nerds. Uh, we can start a little more recently when we're defining the metaverse. There is a guy I've talked about before on the show. I'm a big, big fan of the author Neil Stevenson. Neil Stevenson wrote, uh, has written so many great things and, you know, shout out Anathem, shout out, you know, Seven Eves, uh, specifically shout out Snow Crash here. If you've played the game Cyberpunk, then <laughs> you are accidentally already intimately familiar with the plot of Snow Crash. This also is going to be familiar to fans of role-playing games, tabletop games like Shadowrun, which is an amazing experience. In Snow Crash, where the term metaverse was first coined in English, it describes a, um, the metaverse is a 3D immersive virtual world that is populated by avatars of actual people, of meat bags. And it is a separate virtual universe, but it has real world effects. The real world exists, but it's going to hell in a handbasket. Private corporations have taken over all of the roles traditionally held by states, creating what uh, we would in this age call a kind of anarcho-capitalism. For example, uh, the CIA in this book, this is not a big spoiler, they have merged with the Library of Congress to form a for-profit entity with all the powers of the Congressional Library and all the powers of the CIA called the CIC. Read the book, check it out, not to get too LeVar Burton reading Rainbow about it, but, uh, but it's worth your time. Uh, and of course, people in this story, people still eat, they still sleep, they defecate, they reproduce, they do all their people things, but they spend a ton of time in this online world. And in this novel, in Snow Crash, that virtual reality system is mainstreamed. It's normalized. I was thinking about this, like in that book, it would be weird not to be on the metaverse. And if that sounds crazy, just imagine how weird it would be if you talk to someone today 
and they didn't have a phone, right? Yeah. A phone is not a human right. It's not something that everyone is assigned at birth yet, uh, but it is incredibly rare in most densely populated parts of the world for someone not to have a mobile device. Yes, Ben, you're absolutely correct. I would just expand it a little bit more to internet access. And we've, we've talked about this over the course of our show. Of, you know, there are places in the world where internet access is still not possible, but there are private corporations attempting to make it accessible to everyone on the planet. But I do think existing in this real world without having access to the internet as it exists now is that weird thing because uh -huh. so many parts of our lives are connected to the internet itself. Yeah, and we're going to get into some uh, quick statistics of that. It's important because we're looking at a hierarchy of requirements for you to exist online and for you to exist in the metaverse. First, access to electricity. Uh, second, access to materials and gear. Uh, third, access to time. Uh, which is a, a huge resource people don't talk about as often as they should, uh, and fourth, inclination. But inclination, as we know, can be manufactured by bad faith actors. Uh, we, we spent some time off air today talking about uh, how hilarious targeted ad algorithms are, and those are meant to build that fourth requirement. Those are meant to build inclination and our Producer Seth the Shadow <laughs> was talking to us about uh, some uh, some just ridiculous ads, but check out our big data episode to to learn the absurdity of that situation. You'll you'll see the metaverse referenced in many other works of science fiction. Not always using that name, of course. And you know Stevenson coined the term, but he was talking about something that. People, not just sci-fi authors, have wondered about for a long, long time, right? A separate reality, one that can be altered in ways that are not possible in the analog world. Uh, a great example of another sci-fi series that references this is the book uh, Ready Player One and its sequel, which uh, the oh, uh, like a ton of the important events in that story take place in this online world. In fact, one of the characters, uh, an avatar, almost in the, in the Hindu sense, is themselves uh, entirely located in that story's version of the metaverse. And then, of course, Matt, had to have this in there for you, man. Uh, one extreme version, an extremely unfriendly dystopian version of the metaverse occurs in the Matrix. Yeah, uh, and I would say a metaphorical representation of it <laughs> well i would you know i was thinking i was thinking about this because in the matrix spoiler alert you are being warned three two one spoilers in the matrix the metaverse their analog has assumed the role of the primary reality and the entirety of the franchise in a very brilliant way is about discovering this other reality that has existed all along and has been subsumed uh, by this digital realm. So back to our reality as it stands today. In October, Mark Zuckerberg, you know him, you know him. I don't know if I'd say you love him. But uh, Mark Zuckerberg said that he is super on board with the metaverse. He doubled down. He said, I'm going to invest billions in this effort, it, probably, you know, even more than he did in that sweet baby raise bit. Uh, and 
to signal his sincerity here, he renamed his company Meta. This was funny, and this is also instructive for us uh, and for the critics of Facebook, the critics of the metaverse entire, because we're talking about, like, this is the first example of considering consequences, the importance of doing so. Meta was already a thing. You know what I mean? Like, there were already multiple companies named Meta. You know, Noel, not to put you on the spot, but uh, you have a DJ alias, Meta's. You know, I was waiting to I was waiting to roll it out, man. I was really going to make a big <laughs> splash, a big <laughs> debut. It was Meta's, actually, and it was, yeah, it was, it was yeah, more my electronic is. kind of persona. Um, but, man, Zuck, Zuck you, you know, Zuck you for taking this dream away from me. Well, you still got it. We'll see who's left standing. Uh, and uh, my money's on you. So the the thing here is that Facebook not only didn't consider that other people exist and have other companies exist and have created companies called Meta, they also were sort of indemnified from the consequences, right? They, like, imagine being powerful enough that you could say, we're going to start a train company and we're going to call it Toyota. And then someone says, well, Toyota already exists and it is a vehicle company. And you say, fiddle dee dee, we'll just buy them. Uh, that's, that's the reality Facebook lives in. And I think that's an important point to acknowledge. You have to remember, everybody lives in their own sort of individuated reality. And those realities are very different. So you could argue in a way that Mark Zuckerberg and his peers which there are very few, are already existing in a new reality, in a kind of metaverse. And there's a ton of slick branding, you know, pop science stuff that you'll see out there. There are a lot of weird corporate terms, but the takeaway is this. If everything goes how Facebook and Microsoft and other large companies want it to go, there is a virtual version of you either already out there or on the way. We're going to get to why that's spooky in a bit, but let's let's pump the brakes. It's important to pump the brakes when we talk about these kind of things. Uh, you know, as you know, uh, I, I personally am often hesitant to explore ongoing events. Like we've been just behind the scenes, folks. We've been planning an episode on Iran for years now. We just, we just, you know, we're doing the same with uh, Ukraine, with Kazakhstan. When you're talking about things in situ, in media rests, as they are occurring, you have to realize that for now, predicting the future is an imperfect science. DARPA wants that to change. And they're making scary headway in that regard. And predictive analytics are a huge thing. But the modern metaverse is a conversation that has a lot of scary stuff. It has a lot of misleading stuff and it has a lot of like good faith arguments for why this will be a net benefit for humanity. But this is where we pump the brakes for the first time. If you're listening to this, you know that we, we love gaming, we love video games, tabletop games, you name it. Uh, card games, of course, shout out MTG. But if you're a gamer like us, you might hear about the idea of the metaverse, however defined, and you might say, hold on, I've already seen a metaverse. I've seen multiple metaverses, bro. I've seen Second Life. I've seen The Sims. I play Minecraft. You know, I've, I, I, I've played 
any number of RPGs like Skyrim or Red Dead Redemption, Ghost of Tsushima. I'm just, I'm naming ones we've talked about off air that we've played. So like, what's the big deal? It's already out there, right? Feels a little mad to me, but that's the same thing I said when my friend Matt Riddle told me what Twitter was. I was like, oh, no one will ever. That's silly. That doesn't make any sense. No one. That's too few characters to really communicate an idea properly. Mm. Um, but he explained it. No, it's going to be about, you know, having kind of like a, a view into the daily lives of celebrities and of untouchable people. And that's going to be the selling point. And he was right. He usually is. He's the guy that also told me COVID was going to explode. I would be very interested to get his take on this. But to me, I remember from when I was like, oh, teenager early preteen that i had you know everyone i think we all had those friends um who had the internet first or had like the best you know had laser disc player or had like the n64 or whatever i had a friend who's had early early internet and they had this thing it was called the palace and it was uh essentially these chat rooms where you would have a bad kind of cut out you know, JPEG avatar that you could make. And it was all these people populated in these big spaces with flat 2D backgrounds. It was called the palace. I haven't really thought about it ever since, but this had to have been in the 90s. Um, so the concept is super ununique. What is unique is that it is like, you know, like you said, been Internet 3.0, which means that this is a way of literally stepping into the Internet. So when you're occupying the space, it allows you to do all the things you would normally do on the internet, but much more experientially. Um, you know, potentially, I don't know if you've tried this, you guys, but on those Oculuses, you can uh, you can travel to Google Map locations just by like you know using a voice command, and it'll place you there, and you can walk around there. So, in theory, what this offers, if we wanted to think like you know cool features, is that you could like time you know, teleport to other places and like be there and walk around. The more robust it gets and the more elaborate these scans of these places get, maybe we're in a place where this stuff is happening in real time and you can literally teleport to a facsimile or, you know, some avatar of a real place and interact with other people. That's interesting to me, but is it going to be this big, massive thing that everyone seems to be, you know, placing their bets on, especially Zuckerberg? I I don't know. But there's obviously a motive for going all in to the degree that he's going all in. And I have a feeling it's not benevolence and, you know, thoughtfulness for the human race. Right. If you if you want true control over a population, you want to control access. You know what I mean? Like you don't want to buy a room in the house. You want to buy the door. And that's where you charge people. Uh, This. There, there are these antecedents, um, but we have to we have to be honest here. Most people have not played Minecraft, and when I say most people, I mean most of the almost eight billion people in the world have not played Minecraft. How many know what it is? Hmm, probably a lot, uh, but most people haven't played, you know, a specific video game. It would be really rare. And I'd be interested to see what the world's most popular video game is, like in number of players over time. But we can say something like Neil Stevenson's Metaverse is very much on the way. Uh, I, we mentioned statistics earlier, so let's, let's kick this one. As of January 2021, uh, I was able to find that 4.66% billion people are active on the internet 
And that's a number that's uh, recent enough that we could say it holds like it's probably the same today. It's it's probably actually grown a little bit. But as of this time last year, because we're recording this in January 2022, that 4.66 billion people, it works out to about 59.5% of humanity. So more than half of the global population is active online today, right now. And of that more than half of the population, the vast majority, around 90 plus percent, are going online via mobile devices. The future of internet access is something that you take with you. It's not something that you travel to, right? We're bringing the mountain to you, to steal an old phrase. And this means that one of those first problems is already being addressed. The When I talked about the hierarchy of requirements, one, you need electricity. Now, with a mobile device, you can go to a source of electricity and charge your phone, right? So you're no longer beholden to sitting next to a power source. But secondly, the gear is becoming normalized. And gear is when we where we see a lot of technology flop or a lot of these initiatives kind of fall flat. So before we all start to freak out about the nature of reality and like, what's really going on, man? We have to acknowledge these basics. One, technology moves so quickly and it is in a, um, a feedback loop, right? The breakthroughs and the innovations of these fields and related technologies are creating more breakthroughs and innovations, which create more breakthroughs and innovations, which go on and on and on until the house of cards falls and the nukes begin to fly. Two, technology has so many false starts. Uh, This is a little bit of a war story for us, but you guys remember 3D television? How that was like no. the hot thing? <laughs> no, I don't. Because I, bl- I do, but I mean, it was an absolute nothing. First of all, it's a dumb idea. It just doesn't make, it's not immersive enough. It's not taking it far mm-hmm. enough. Like if you're in a theater and your whole field of view is occupied by the screen, that makes sense. But also I just think 3D is a dumb gimmick anyway, and who cares? But what an Oculus Rift does, is it takes that to the next level and makes it much more versatile. And it's all everything's designed with that in mind. And it can also incorporate 2D things into it. And it doesn't hurt your brain um, much. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah. I, I find them pretty comfortable and I don't really get eye fatigue with them. Do you? You guys have used them more than me. Uh, yes. Yes, I, I do. You get eye fatigue with it. But the good thing is it only has a two and a half hour long battery life. So, you know. You can only get eye strain to a certain extent until you got to charge the baby up. Um, I, I'm just to this point, Ben. I want to go back. Did you guys have a Sega Genesis? Yes, that mm-hmm. was my system of that was. I was always a Sega guy. I had a, a Nintendo NES, and then I was Sega all the way until I got into PlayStation. But I never had like an N64, any of those next gen. Uh, well, let's consoles. let's stay in Sega Genesis time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In in 1993, Sega wanted to bring out virtual reality glasses in the same way that PlayStation has brought about their virtual, their VR tech. And Nintendo did something as well. Yeah. The the virtual boy came out two years later in 95. So that you're talking about 1993, 1995, two major corporations attempted to bring virtual reality into the world. Uh, And just, you know, that was clearly a false start because Sega Genesis never got a VR system. 
because it just didn't work out at the time. <laughs> well, it's because of the gear. That's another mm-hmm. that's another part of it. Like you could even say like Neo Geo was a great game system, not VR, but it was a great game system. However, it was more expensive than other consoles. And this is like this is why I think I, I love your pointing this out because it is indicative of a larger trend. Powerful forces want this to happen and are going to keep trying to make it happen until it occurs. Shout out to everybody who just had that mental gif pop up. Uh, I can't remember what film it is where they're like, stop trying to make blah, blah, blah happen. It's not going to happen. Fetch is is, is the word that they're trying to make happen. Yes. Uh, And I think it was Mean Girls or it might have been Clueless. I I sometimes conflate those two in my mind for some reason. Well, I I am down to watch a mashup called Clueless Mean Girls. I think that would be a rollicking good time. Uh, it's also yeah, apparently okay. a Mean Girls the Musical, which I have found uh, delightful oh, and surprising, but it's apparently quite good. Oh, I can't wait. So the, uh, the, the interesting thing here is that in the cases we're talking about, Matt, what you're talking about with those early attempts at VR and gaming and what we're talking about with those attempts at 3D TV, one of the primary reasons both of those things flopped, technological capabilities aside is because it required people to get new gear and that's going to be very important it had a buy-in right and it had a buy-in on a specific non-multifunctional thing the brilliant thing about smartphones and love them or hate them one thing the creators of smartphones did very well is they made the technology multifunctional you know now you're not now you're not dropping hundreds or even thousands of dollars on this thing that will let you play some games or this thing that'll make, you know, uh, your favorite celebrities pop a little closer to your face. If you're standing at the exact right spot in the right distance, uh, or, you know, make phone calls. Right. What? Right. <laughs> what? We don't use them for that. anymore. I, I do we? No, I would pay my, I would pay my phone company an extra $20 a month to say that, uh, the, phone line was down <laughs> but ben you've got that those companies doing that making the multifunctional piece of hardware right and then you've got other companies that are not related who will basically pay you to take their phone in a way because they have these leasing situations where you buy a uh what a subscription with them essentially right to have service and then your phone is not eight hundred dollars or twelve hundred dollars anymore it's only Sixty seven ninety nine every month. Right. Yeah. Exactly. For, for like, you know, until you pay the phone off or but then sometimes if you pay long enough, they'll roll it over into the next new model and you don't even have to pay off the other one. You can even just send it back. And then they either I don't know how they I wonder, I wonder what they do with all those kind of uh, they refurbish re- them and resell them, I imagine. Yes. But because uh, they, they do have to have an intact screen or whatever. But I'm, I'm actually due for one. Uh, but it is interesting the way they keep you in the ecosystem. And it requires cooperation between the service provider and the manufacturer, right? Yeah. And that's what we're talking about ultimately. We're talking about team ups, possibly one of the largest corporate team ups that has ever occurred. Uh, I do want to point out that I recently got a new phone. Uh, I ran my other one into the ground. And I think everybody should keep a close eye on your phone bill because these jokers tried to charge me $30, the phone company. Uh, and I, I didn't get the uh, pay-as-you-go kind of model. I didn't like 
amortize the cost over, you know, two years or whatever. I just bought a phone with cash because I'm cartoonishly paranoid. And then they still charged me $30 for me buying a phone, which doesn't make sense. I'm going to call them after this. Anyway, the point is, uh, right now, there's no universally accepted definition of a real-world metaverse. And that's not because people are trying to keep it a secret. It's because this thing that everybody is talking about does not yet exist. So where where does that leave us? Well, it means that venture capitalists, the uh, forward thinkers of the world, uh, the Silicon Valley poobahs are all in a gold rush. They are clamoring to be the authority here, to be the one who tells you what the metaverse is, what it's going to be, and why you should either love it and adore it or be terrified and run from it. And they, they want to do what you're talking about, Ben. They want to build the platform on which the entire thing is built. Because it doesn't exist yet. It's essentially another internet. Like, it's not like this. This is a, this is a whole nother set of servers and infrastructure that will exist to serve this one purpose. And then I guess you would access the internet, internet through this like other internet, if I'm not right. mistaken. You're absolutely on, on point there. Uh, I, I, another example I would think of is imagine before moving pictures, before film, the majority of visual media was still, right? It was either going to be, unless you were watching a show live on stage, you were looking at a photograph, a woodcut, a portrait, a sculpture, things that didn't move. This is like the move from still photo to video to moving pictures. That's what's happening. It's more of the same. So if you liked the stuff that was before, if you liked, you know, like a text-based interface like Twitter or a, a still picture-based interface like Instagram, which is changing now because they want everybody to watch short videos, uh, then if you like that, bully for you because you're getting even more of it. If you hated it, if you had problems with what exists now, then, you know, you're going to hate this other stuff, too. Uh, for our purposes today, uh, there's a great, I don't know, a pretty solid definition uh, that I found in a thing called the Metaverse Primer written by a guy named Matthew Ball. Uh, Matthew Ball is, full disclosure, a venture capitalist, which ah. I know I know is going to turn some people off. <laughs> So it's, you know, is this like, uh, are we reading a review of Hen Houses written by a fox? That's up to you. Uh, here's here's his definition, though. Uh, and just to give you a heads up, folks, he describes this in utopian, pretty innocuous terms. The metaverse is an expansive network of persistent, real-time, rendered 3D worlds. Oh, Matt, Matt, I'm sorry. Soft note. Um, you're so great with voices. Could you make this guy like a little bit more evil slash ominous? Oh, like, sure. Not not level ten villain. Sure, but, sure, like, sure. Maybe give him give him a six on the villain. Sure, side. sure, sure. Okay. <clears throat> Real time three D worlds <laughs> and simulations that support continuity of identity, objects, history, payments, and entitlements, <laughs> and can be experienced synchronously by an effectively unlimited number of users, each with an individual sense of presence. Wow. 
Wonderful. Uh, oh, that was so about that, a six. Yeah, that was, I'd say that's I, was, I, I don't know, man. You might have been pushing into seven territory there at the end with the uh, oh. kind of moment. That was, you that don't, don't want to see a seven. Uh, don't don't, don't, don't <laughs> handle a seven. God forbid an eight. So neat, right? <laughs> it, it is neat. And just for a little, um, a little like a flip side context from uh, somebody who's more of an internet-y person. This guy, Mark Pettit, um, who works for Epic Games, the company that oversees uh, Unreal Engine, which is like a 3D, everyone knows that. Like Unreal Engine is the 3D creation platform of choice for uh, CG generation, for film, and for video games and all that. And I-E-E-E, right? Isn't that how we say it? I think someone... Is I triple E. That's what yep, it is. That's it. Somebody, that's it. yep. Someone wrote in and said that's how you say it. I prefer I. I got that from Same. Jonathan Strickland. Um, anywho, Mark Pettit, uh, when asked what is the metaverse, he says it's a hard question for me. It's the evolution of the internet as the fabric for our personal and professional lives. With the internet right now, you keep on scrolling through video. We believe that the metaverse will bring you uh, into the era of interactive content where you have agency over the content and you can control it. You can interact with it. You can ultimately immerse yourself into the content and not just look at it through a small window. The foundation is real-time 3D media. Uh, whether those elements got integrated into your existing environment through augmented reality or you immerse yourself with a virtual reality headset into the content, all of that is a consequence of the content being 3D and interactive. Okay, yeah, and that makes that makes sense too. I, uh, <laughs> I Mr. Vakeman. Hey, Dr. Vakeman. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, uh, I'm sorry. He earned very, that uh, honorific. Oh, yeah, come on, man. He, all right, we'll leave him. We'll, oh we'll leave him on there. We'll God. leave this in. Uh, he's very into the metaverse. Um, Seth, let us know if I need to move him if he's purring too loud. <laughs> no, he seems like he's having a good time. Can, can I add just really quick before? before wait, we, wait, uh, wait, wait, wait. If you are listening to this in podcast form, please go to YouTube right now. You, you will to. see Ben's cat, Doctor Vankman, with v. both paws yeah. on his shoulder, and oh, it is the cutest thing. That I've seen, like in he's a also long staring time. daggers at the camera right now. Like he's <laughs> yeah, uh, don't kind trust of him. Yeah, um, yeah. Just wanted to add that quote comes from a discussion on IE Spectrum um, about does the metaverse need to be open in terms of uh, neutral, not owned by a giant megalithic uh, evil corporation. You know, or, or a non-evil corporation. Like the idea is, this is a thing we're building from scratch. We have things in place that make the internet open. It's just like uh, you know, everyone gets access to the same internet. There's no you know magic premium internet. You know, and there there were things that were coming down the pike that were maybe going to change that, but I don't believe they happened. Um, to my understanding, yeah, that's that's another that's another great debate. And when I say great, I don't mean great as in like awesome. I mean something that has immense significance. Yeah. Uh, who will, again, who will control the door? Who gets to enter this new reality? Uh, is this as slick and fun and cool and progressive as the proponents and the proselytizers want us to believe? Not really say the critics. Instead, they argue this metaverse has the potential to add very high-octane fuel to the same problems humanity has always encountered, only this time you won't be able to unplug. What are we talking about? Should you fear the metaverse? We'll dive in after a word from our sponsors. 
Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Snag a job is where America goes to hire. With the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers... Snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, temp to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This episode is brought to you by Terminix. Terminix can't help you solve the world's biggest mysteries or take on alien life. At least not the ones you're thinking of. But they can help take care of pesky invaders in your home. Like the ants in your kitchen, the roaches under your sink, and the termites in the walls. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. No matter what type of pest it is, they can Terminix it fast with personalized pest care that puts you in control. Their expertly trained technicians may not know true crime, but they know their local pest pressures. And with customized plans tailored to your specific situation, you get everything you need to not just get pests out, but keep them out for good. Between their speedy service, caring technicians, and over 95 years of experience, it's no mystery why they're trusted by homes and businesses everywhere. So if you have a pest problem, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com to book online today. Here's where it gets crazy. Uh, also, we we don't know who those sponsor spots are, so how hilarious yep. if it will be something for the metaverse. Uh, the number one concern that you're going to hear a lot in popular media is not so much the metaverse itself, but it's the creators of the metaverse. Facebook, Facebook ruins stuff. That's not a conspiracy (laughs) theory. It's true. Facebook ruins stuff. Um, Many of those anti-metaverse critics are 
specifically concerned because of Facebook's involvement. It's the same company that provably, knowingly did dirt with Cambridge Analytica. Check out that. Check out that episode. It is the same company that bought out the Oculus VR system in its early days. This is a long-term play. This is not Mark just waking up. You know what I mean? Uh, Although I like to imagine him uh, waking up in like a a filthy room with uh, a match, a stained mattress on the floor and just (laughs) bottles of half empty sweet baby rays. (laughs) Like like weird, like rabbit ears TV with static on it on the floor, you know? Yeah. And of course he's in a tank top. And he says, uh, uh, yeah, and he says, uh, he says, we're going to, we're going to do the metaverse. I'll announce it today. No. He's been thinking about this for a while and yeah. people that he pays to be smarter than him, which is not an insult to him. He's a very smart guy, but people he pays to be smarter than him have also co-signed this and they're making a huge financial push toward it. Oculus, the purchase of Oculus is evident there. Uh, and that was one of the things that turned me off when Matt, when you and I were talking about Oculus, cause you got one first and I remember I got the box and I had done no research. I was flying blind. And I saw Facebook branded on there. <laughs> yeah, you asked me about it. And I was yeah. like, oh, no, they, they own it. It's theirs. You know, it was, it was about logging in. You're like, do I need to create an Oculus account? I was like, no, bro, it's, it's Facebook. <laughs> yeah. So I, I made another burner Facebook account. That's mm-hmm. how I got on it this morning. But uh, this is also the same company that controversially builds ghost profiles of people who never started a Facebook account. They're playing the Kevin Bacon connection game that, you know, uh, state surveillance also plays. Uh, What do we mean by ghost profile? Well, let's say our pal Seth the Shadow does not have a Facebook profile. Not only does he not have one now, he never started one, but he knows Matt and he knows Noel and he knows Ben and those folks all have some kind of presence on there, and they have unknowingly granted this company access to other pieces of their online information. So Facebook can very easily say, hmm, these three guys have texted this person, or they have spoken with this person through some way, they've emailed them, etc. And they'll aggregate enough information that they can build a profile such that if Seth the Shadow has a change of heart and he creates a Facebook profile, it'll already be waiting. He won't have to build the car. He'll just have to hop in. Everything is already set up. As a matter of fact, his first three suggested friends are going to be Noel and Matt and someone like me. And they'll also have his avatar pre-built because we posted pictures of Seth the Shadow Right. <laughs> on our and, Facebook profiles. And if it's a new account, he won't have the same control over privacy that older accounts did. Like if you ever go to Facebook profiles and you notice you can't request someone as a friend or something like that, then it's because they were smart enough to opt out of some of the things that Facebook would later turn into prerequisites or mandates for a profile. So all the same, people don't trust Facebook. Makes sense. There are good reasons not to trust it. Uh, it is the man invasive. likes to smoke meats. Yeah. He's just like us. What's he not is. to trust? 
Oh, look at look into his weirdly enlarged eyes. They didn't always look like that. I, I'm not no, no shade on anybody getting a little work done, but I, I felt like it was just like the guy kind of mutated into something else over time. Like he, he used to be a scrappy college kid, and now he's like his neck is longer or something. Like something about his whole vibe has changed. I, I think I think he's been replaced by some sort of weird alien clone. That's my theory. No, he's an avatar. Of Mark, there we go. Uh, <laughs> it's also no Mark only Zool. Yeah, <laughs> yes. Uh, whenever I, you know, I don't want to clown people on physical appearance or whatever because everybody has their own story that they're living through. But whenever you see someone who is very wealthy and their appearance seems to change or evolve over time, you don't beat yourself up. Don't be like, hey, why is this guy a billionaire and in good shape? It's because they have a team of people. They have hired to make their body that way, not necessarily through surgery, but, you know, like uh, like the Marvel Universe does. It, you know, you have a dietitian, you have a nutritionist, you have a physical trainer, uh, and they're each specialist in that field. So that is an advantage that they have. They are not doing all that work on their own. How do they uh, make your face more oblong? I don't understand that. Bro. What, what's the workout for that? I don't know. Yeah, it's a, called a face whisperer. Okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> they just whisper at your face. Uh, it's from the, the same guy in Japan who invented the lickable uh, computer screen. So okay. Okay. <laughs> we're, we're just going to accept that one and yes, and our way out of it. So Boy, are we uh, ever. yeah, Facebook has, it does have a terrible track record, whether you're a fan of it or whether you hate it. It does have a record of pushing boundaries and then bending laws and then later pulling a like, oh, hey, what's the big deal? Huh? Hey, Congress, what's the big deal? Uh, and that's it, it acts as though it was not aware of the problems it was creating or exacerbating. And is that a good faith argument? I would say probably not. But that's that's just my opinion. No, I mean, Ben, you talk about the, all the people that are smarter than Zuckerberg that he pays to be smarter than him. You don't have a company like that, an organization like that, where they don't know pretty much every in and out of the stuff they're doing and the and the ripples that they're making. Uh, sometimes I think they just make the decision to keep doing it and exploiting it because it probably means more traffic for them. And then they're like, we'll deal with this when it comes to a head. And then they do sort of or they make a sort of blanket PR you know, um, acknowledgement of said problem. And then or have to testify it? in front of Congress. Well, of course, uh, and talk about it. Yeah, a million percent. But I'm just saying, like, what what came of that? I just felt like he was bulletproof in those in those uh, proceedings, you know, and they make some good points. They ask him something along the lines of, like, would you please tell us what hotel you stayed at last night? And he, he declined to do that. Um, and then he said, could you please tell me the names of the last five people that you text messages? He goes, no, I would not like to do that in this forum. He's like, well, I think you see the, the issue that I'm driving. I forget what, um, what lawmaker was questioning him in that, but that's kind of what we're talking about here. It's like, do as I say, not as I do. <laughs> yeah. I, I just really quickly, guys, I want to send everyone over to YouTube, check out vice news system error, it's a video called Why You Should Be Worried About Facebook's Metaverse. It's a fairly short video, but it really goes into detail. These things we're speaking on right now, the reasons why Facebook may not be the best company to lead us all into the metaverse. And it, it really gives you the reasons that we're, we're outlining right now. Yeah, yeah. And it's important to be aware of these reasons. And we don't want to be unfair to Facebook. That's not necessarily a hit piece. 
But these things are all true. They have been proven. And they're, in several cases, they're not necessarily illegal. Why? It's not because they're shiny examples of nobility and proper morals or ethics. It's because Facebook and the things that Facebook does are too big and too new in many cases to be regulated by existing systems. You can't write laws for things you don't understand, uh, despite, uh, you know, despite the careers of many politicians. Uh, so th- these criticisms of Facebook, they are valid, but they run the risk of missing a much bigger picture. And even Facebook is upfront about this, weirdly upfront about it. Uh, They see the metaverse as something bigger than Facebook. They call it an embodied internet, quote unquote, and they think it encompasses more than just a Facebook avatar. It's an, an agglomeration of multiple entities. One of the best examples of this for analogy is the global trade system. You've heard a lot about it. Uh, During the pandemic, no one government built it. No one private entity built it. Multiple governments, multiple corporations and some private powerful individuals created parts of it. And then those parts connected and they form what we call the global supply chain. No one entity is in charge of the global supply chain. There are a, a ton of stakeholders They often have contradictory goals, but the thing itself, the entire thing, exists. It is an entity, and it is an entity bigger than any of its one contributors. And that's what Facebook sees uh, this idea of a metaverse as. They they see it as like there is a Facebook land, there is a Twitter land, there is like your local government land, you know, you can go to the – to the – Fulton County Public Library, part of the metaverse. And you can sit there on your Oculus and you can read uh, Les Mis or something like that. But this, uh, the, the difference, I would argue, with Facebook is that they don't want to be just a, a land that you visit. They want to be the owner of your avatar. So it's your Facebook avatar traveling to the Fulton County Public Library. It's your Facebook avatar that is waiting in virtual line at the DMV, which is still going to happen. It's hilarious. You'll be in your living room, but you're still going to like lose several hours trying to navigate the virtual DMV. Sure. I, I have a question, though. I mean, the, it doesn't have to be Facebook. They could do it, take a big swing at it, and then if somebody else comes along and does a better job then that's going to be the one that people gravitate towards. I don't see this as an all-or-nothing approach. It's building a new thing. Like There's already this thing called Decentraland that is like a kind of a crypto, um, uh, you know, metaverse kind of space where people buy parcels of land, you know, um, that are NFTs, essentially, those non-fungible tokens that we all love so dearly. Um, and it raised a whole lot of money, and, and it is like kind of this community. It's got like a shopping district. It looks like a Harajuku kind of vibe, you know, like Japan. Um, it's got all of these different kind of areas, and, and it is kind of picking up a lot of steam. And it, it you know, there's a lot of in world purchase opportunities and people can display their NFTs and galleries and all of that stuff. Uh, and it raised quite a bit of money. But my thing is like, yeah, Facebook, sure, this is what they're going after, but it doesn't mean that is the metaverse. 
if it doesn't take off. Like somebody else can still do it if it doesn't exist yet, right? Yes. Yeah, the odds are stacked against that newcomer, though. Uh, Just like politics, being an incumbent gives you an edge, right? So Facebook already has, as we've proven, Facebook has been building the infrastructure of this for some time. Uh, Don't ever confuse a public announcement with a new development, right? They're just going public, yeah. But, But here's another danger. Like beyond Facebook, you make a great point. It doesn't have to be Facebook. It could be something else. It could potentially be the five of us on the show today, uh, us three and Seth and you listening at home, we could team up and we could just make a new thing, you know, we, and, you know, we'll just call it um, a snow crash and somehow won't get sued. And then we could be the people who own the door, who own that avatar. Uh, but that's probably, I, I don't know. It's like it, the odds are stacked against anybody who is not Facebook. In a, in a real way, but the bigger threat, other than, you know, whatever you might think about Facebook's rap sheet and its track record, the bigger threat is that real life, real life, non-metaverse life is going to continue. It has to for now, but it may become increasingly ancillary, increasingly like um, increasingly supplemental, like people may be popping out of this virtual system just so they can eat, you know, they'll drink their Soylent or their Huel or whatever. They'll have a quick poop and then they'll be plugged back in. Actually, no, now that I think about it, no, no, we know humanity too well. You need to assume that when you meet people in the metaverse, in real life, they might be pooping. Yeah. Well, I, mean, I feel like the, the future of this is going to evolve into chairs that have a built-in toilet uh, so you don't ever have to get up and uh, some kind of drip, you know, s- solution. So you really can just kind of, you know, keep going. And the thing the is, like, taken take yep. to the extreme. Go away and bait. Take it away. Take it to the extreme. You can see how kind of creepy and scary this stuff could be. We also know about like, what do they call Ben? The, um, I've, I mention this all the time and I can never remember what they're called. There's a subset of Japanese kind of gamer shut-ins. Hikiko Mori. That's the one. Uh, there, there's a really, um, if you're familiar with the, the music artist, music artist, sound like a grandpapa, uh, um, Onatrix Point Never, he's got a music video that has a lot of footage or stills um, of, of these individuals, and it's, it's really disturbing. There's like, you know, che- I mean, I'm, this sounds like I'm making a joke about nerds, but there's like Cheeto dust, you know, between the keys of the keyboard and like just like trash everywhere, and it's like this really kind of squalor kind of situation. That's what happens when you're jacked in all the time and you don't take care of like life stuff and like business. You're going to become atrophied and malnourished, and there are people that could get addicted to this experience and feel like they don't need anything else, and then we're going to like, you know, the neighbors are going to smell a funny smell <laughs> like the cops are going to show up and there's going to be a body all atrophied like in seven with a, a you know vr helmet strapped on definitely need some kind of in vr like warning it's time to jack off uh, oh sorry it's time to <laughs> sorry sorry keep it sorry no we're keeping no, it we're keeping no, it no that's part of the next story actually <laughs> we haven't gotten to the jack off uh the metaverse jack off story oh uh, boy i didn't uh, I know, I know, but it's just so funny. Uh, Let's reset. Yeah, Let's get our giggles it's out. True. It, <laughs> it's true. It, it's, oh, no, it's time to, to log off. It's time to yeah. log off is what I'm There we go. Yes, yes. Uh, to un- unjack. Oh, that's uh, not any better. So this is, this is important because 
uh, we now have bigger questions about every everything we're mentioning leads to something else. That's that's the problem. This is a Byzantine situation. It's complex. It's a Gordian knot. And if you recall, the solution to the Gordian knot in the old, old story, um, it's not to... Yeah, it's not to, it was a sword, right? It's not, oh, yeah. it's not to uh, untangle this knot. It's to cut the thing and lose the rope to solve the problem. It's burning the village to save the village. And that is where we're getting to. I always think of that Jeff Goldblum line from Jurassic Park. You spend so much time wondering if you could. You never stop to think if you should. And I, I do propose that people, if if you're not familiar with the story of the Gordian knot, it's it's a quick read. Just check it out, um, and and imagine how this might apply here in 2022. We're going to pause for a word from our sponsor. We're going to return and we're going to talk about some of the things that even the critics aren't really mentioning as often as they should. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This episode is brought to you by Terminix. Terminix can't help you solve the world's biggest mysteries or take on alien life. At least not the ones you're thinking of. But they can help take care of pesky invaders in your home. Like the ants in your kitchen, the roaches under your sink, and the termites in the walls. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. No matter what type of pest it is, they can Terminix it fast with personalized pest care that puts you in control. 
Their expertly trained technicians may not know true crime, but they know their local pest pressures. And with customized plans tailored to your specific situation, you get everything you need to not just get pests out, but keep them out for good. Between their speedy service, caring technicians, and over 95 years of experience, it's no mystery why they're trusted by homes and businesses everywhere. So if you have a pest problem, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com to book online today. And we're back. So we said the idea of real life becomes potentially more and more supplemental to the stuff you really want to do, to the place where your mind really lives. You're going to, like... Um, there's a thing that happens with a lot of people in the game Tetris. If you play Tetris for a long time, you start to, uh, your brain starts to keep playing it, right? And I, I don't know if this guy has ever happened to you guys or anybody listening, but um, when you're really into a game like Tetris, you will, if you play for a number of hours over the course of several days, then you'll find your mind just sort of gaming out the concept of Tetris when you're idle. You know what I mean? You close your eyes, you're falling asleep, and, and all of a sudden, your last waking thought is, I'm waiting for that one long block so I can get a Tetris. Uh, that, that just speaks to how efficient and, and beautifully designed the game is, but that same thing will happen here. Can I say, really, I've been playing a lot of Tetris lately, and I learned a thing that's a game changer. You can reserve a piece in the newer versions where you can, like, you say you got a piece queued up, you can put that and save it and then recall it later. That's a, it's a game-changing wow. uh, uh, addition, um, literally. But, God, I like it. You're right. It, it, the, there's so few things have changed about that game because it's so elegantly designed that it just, like, stands the test of time. Well, this so this is what I want to I bring up, and, and I think it's related here, guys. The concept that I have a ton of work to do for my job. I have even more work I need to do here in my house for my life. The only thing I want to do when I've completed the time I need to spend on work is to go into one of these virtual worlds like Minecraft and build some stuff. And I already have that inside me, you know, and I'm in my late 30s, and I'm just imagining the younger generation that's coming along that's had cell phones the entire time they've been growing up. You know, these interactive screens that they can hang out with and do all kinds of endless things on. I'm imagining those minds interacting with whatever this metaverse truly becomes, right? The the final version. Um, and just what you're talking about there, Ben, the like pull of that because of the overwhelming nature of sometimes life <laughs> and often life. And I, I I'm, I'm horrified that seriously that kids and just, you know, once they become adults will spend most of their time inside that space. Oh yeah. This is part of it. Okay. So this is what I really want to get to. This is what I, I hope fellow conspiracy realists. I hope that when you are in conversations about this, whether you're talking to us about this episode, whether you're talking to your friends, your loved ones, whether you're talking to strangers in the metaverse, about the metaverse, why not? I, I hope you bring this point to the forefront. This is a new horizon of inequality. That's why mentioning the hierarchy of requirements 
not to thrive in this new reality, to simply exist in it. That's why mentioning those requirements is so important. What happens when the bulk of your activity takes place online? You work online. You work remotely. That's what we call it now. How long before people just call it working? Uh, (laughs) You know, your friendships are with people you have never met but you know everything about them. You feel very close. This happens with gaming all the time. There's a reason that there's such a a trope or a meme about having a friend say they'll be right back and they're logging off and you never hear about them again. And it can be very sad and poignant. What happens with your romantic endeavors, right? you, You meet the person that you are convinced is the love of your life. You think they're somewhere in Malaysia, but you're not sure because you only hang out in, you know, the, the Facebook chat room. Uh, and this also, uh, another game changer up there with reserving a piece in Tetris will be normalized haptic feedback gear. Which, That's of cool. course, That's people cool to me. use for sex. Sure it is, Noel. Of course it is cool to you. Now, the haptic feedback, yes, of course, you can pornerize just about anything. But the haptic feedback stuff is fascinating um, for... The implications like in, you know, people with disabilities, for example, there's they're even like developing technology where you can literally do stuff with your mind, man. Right. Like the guy who tweeted using the power of his brain, which we talked about in earlier uh, strange news segment. Yeah, this and I'm glad you brought this up for uh, the for the potential to combat ableism. This could be a profound development right now. People who could not travel to a place or could not interact uh, with the world in a way they wanted to, they may well be able to. There, There is, to be clear, enormous potential here. But the potential is for good and is for evil. What happens in this world to the people who don't have access to this shiny new realm? What happens to the currently 40% or so of the people on the planet who don't have internet access? What happens to the people left behind? No one's really talking about that in corporate boardrooms. They're talking about how excited they are. And they're excited, uh, once you get past all the PR terms, for the profit potential. Because that's what corporations are built to do. They're not built to worry about who gets left behind in the wake. Maybe the people that get left behind are ultimately the real winners. Because they get, like, you know, the whole park to themselves, you know, and like and everyone else is jacked into VR and then they're in their weird, smelly apartments. And these people that like decided not to opt in are outside breathing fresh air. This also assumes we're not in a dystopian hellscape, which this right. would certainly help with. That's kind of what uh, Ready Player One is all about, right? Like mm-hmm. the lo- the world has become unlivable. Therefore, the only way to truly kind of experience joy is in this metaverse. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. And, and also... Let me just point out again, I feel like I say this on a regular basis these days, Sesame Credit started as an opt-in system. What's what's going to happen when you have to have some avatar to exist in the rest of the world? Like you can't go to the DMV like you're right. Yeah, yeah. You can't drive. Well, cars will be driverless, uh, et cetera. But like you can't get on the train because you have to be able to pay a train for a train ticket and you can't buy the ticket without your avatar traveling to, you know, the New York City uh, Metro Transit Authority and subscribing to the train service. You can't just show up with cash. That is going to happen. 
people are going to be left behind. And in, in their defense, in the defense of the ivory tower, as usual, same as it ever was, numerous academics have been raising red flags about this for a long, 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 long time, and they have been roundly ignored by private entities. The world's largest tech companies, Microsoft, Google, Apple, you name it. They are hurtling headlong into creating the metaverse. They are pouring money into it, and they are ignoring valid, serious concerns, and they are ignoring dangerous possibilities. Like, we can see, again, that clear potential for a new type of inequality. The unplugged person, right? They're at a disadvantage. They're like the non-genetically modified protagonist of Gattaca. Spoiler alert. We can also see that people are going to, I don't know, I read this great New York Times article that talks about, it gives us a specific example of what we're talking about earlier, which is that this will likely accelerate the same negative traits of humanity that have followed the species like a shadow since the first day. Uh, The New York Times piece I just pulled an excerpt from this. It's a retelling of an unpleasant experience using Oculus. Uh, and to Matt's earlier point, you know, man, there there is some there are some great journalistic pieces of people just basically hanging out on an Oculus. Uh, and this New York Times piece is primarily about the future of harassment, because just as we know. Reproductive urges and uh, sexual desires drive a lot of new technology. People are going to, as soon as someone invents a shiny new toy, someone else is going to find a way to be a jerk about it or to use it to be a horrible person. Uh, Well, yeah, and it's coinciding with a younger audience or younger users who are maybe going through puberty at the time, which, you know, the biological process where a lot of those urges and thoughts and desires develop. And many of the people you'll encounter, as I have, in attempting to use an Oculus 2 and go just try out various games and things, there are just younger people in there. And they're mm-hmm. being gross, often. And <laughs> honestly, it made me just take the thing off. And I, don't, I didn't really want to be in a lot of the places that I could access, at least currently, through my Oculus because of that. Yeah. Yeah. And here's the – exactly. And here's the example uh, from New York Times. I want to introduce you to Chanel Siggins. Chanel Siggins is in her 20s at the time of this story, uh, early 20s. And the quote goes, Siggins recently strapped on an Oculus Quest virtual reality headset to play her favorite shooter game, Population One. I haven't played it. Here are good things. Once she turned on the game, she maneuvered her avatar into a virtual lobby in the immersive digital world, aka the metaverse, and waited for the action to begin. As she waited, another player's avatar approached hers. Trigger warning, this is a little graphic. The stranger then simulated groping and ejaculating onto her avatar, said Siggins. She was shocked, and she asked the player, whose avatar presented as male, to, to stop doing that. You know what I mean? And then, per Siggins, he shrugged as if to say, I don't know what to tell you. It's the metaverse. I'll do what I want. And he just walked away. That's just going to that's going to continue happening because people do gross stuff, especially when they feel that there are no consequences and there are not going to be consequences because the laws don't exist. The the laws were built for an analog world and do not, therefore, have the scope now 
to fully comprehend and address the dangers of reality online. And to be fair, I mean, you know, reality and the metaverse kind of mirror one another. I mean, you, that could just as likely have happened like in a subway station in New York City as, as, as in a, a you know, digital thing uh, with just as few consequences, potentially, if there's no cops around to, to you know, catch the, the guy that did it. Um, so we know things like that really do happen. And it's, it's part of the gamble that you make when just going out into the world, like weird Creeps are out there and things can happen. Uh, I would imagine there are probably safeguards, uh, you know, ideally in place for a larger metaverse kind of situation that would, you know, allow you to maybe not interact with certain people or like, right. you know, can have you blinders people? on or whatever. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like the, there will be some equivalent of blocking, surely. But we don't know how it will work out because, again, the thing that people are trying to sell you right now doesn't exist. The pieces are there. Right. But but picked it's like if you were going to buy a house, what you're seeing is a bunch of people standing in a yard saying this house is going to be awesome. You should buy it. One, we own the door and two, we haven't built it yet. Right. So we just built the door, but we have all the we have all the stuff we need. We've met our hierarchy of requirements there. Yes. Is, and no inspections yeah. allowed. You cannot oh, have no an inspe inspection. Yeah, no, no. We have an <laughs> FAQ. And that's that that counts. But uh, also don't read the terms of service. Yeah, it's we also have an HOA. We have an <laughs> HOA. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, Sorry. Acronym. And we have we have uh, we have access to everything you've ever done. You know ben, use, speaking yeah. of buying a house, I'm so sorry to, to no, keep yeah, going yeah, yeah. here. Yeah, we haven't even talked about the the actual economy of the metaverse right. itself. Yeah. And well, I, I mentioned Decentraland a little bit, which is sort of like a prototype for this, but where you can buy digital assets using a lot of this is going to be based on around blockchain. That's exactly what I'm going to bring up. The emergence of blockchain, the popularity of blockchain and the hype, specifically the hype by venture capitalists and other corporations that are trying to say, this is the new thing. This D these crypto coins this is the new thing it's real it's awesome you're gonna love it it's gonna work combining that with facebook and the metaverse and the ability to control an entire economy and currency like think about the power that the united states wields and has had in its power because it controls the u.s dollar and what that dollar is tied to combine those two things i mean it there is a real there's real danger there i think in for the real world <laughs> yeah yeah, and there's again, again the um, the existing regimes, the existing legal structures haven't ever had to think about this. You know what I mean? And those things take a long time, with a lot of false starts, just like with any other kind of innovation. They take a long time, a lot of false starts to get something right. And they're almost certainly not going to get it right by the time they need to do so. These, these laws will be written after the fact. The equivalent of the, of the um, people who will stop someone from uh, assaulting some, some other person in the metaverse, they're going to come like years after they were needed. And, and I love, I want to go back to something you brought up, guys. Uh, so just thought experiments. I know we're running long on this episode, but this stuff is very important. Let's say you are an internet native. That's what you were describing earlier, Matt. Someone who has grown up around screens, 
mobile screens, computer screens, television screens, you name it, anything but window screens, really, until window technology improves. Maybe you were born during the pandemic. And as a result of that, especially uh, for anybody who, who had a kid in the past two years, your kid, the bulk of their interaction with the wider world has always been virtual. It is normal. They are growing up astride two increasingly separate realities, virtual jobs, virtual friends, virtual vacations. Is that inherently bad? No, no, it, 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 we're not Luddites. We're not anti-technology, but we are asking important questions. What happens to those kids when the power goes out? What happens when the internet goes down? What happens when a coronal mass ejection blindsides part of the world? And everybody who is you know, dependent upon this new fabricated reality suddenly finds themselves outside. Uh, what was the old stick man line? Back to the basics outside the matrix. Tank mm. top, sweatpants, old <laughs> Asics. Yeah. Uh, nice. So. <laughs> well, that was very nice, Ben. But, but seriously, what, what happens when there's another viral, viral infection or some kind of communicable disease that becomes a pandemic and spreads the next one, the next 10? Uh, mm -hmm. And it is way more dangerous to physically travel somewhere to do anything like a, like exactly what we already experienced. We already know a birthday, a holiday celebration, a New Year's Eve party, a concert, a comedy show, any of that. What happens when it's way more dangerous to do that than it is to go virtually to something we like that? We know what that feels like, man. I we mean, know. This is, That's what I'm yeah, saying. And we've only gone through one. And. Like, what if the air quality gets worse and worse and worse, and it's physically dangerous to travel outside your door? I think those kind of dystopian predictions figure largely into the buy-in by these massive corporations. I think I they're think looking right. at the big picture and the future, which is pretty bleak, potentially, right? Yep. And let's, let's, uh, let's add to the fire a little bit. We'll give a slight reassurance at the end of today's episode, but to add to the fire, and this is something a lot of us in the audience today were waiting to hear, what happens when neural implants come into the game? Hands are going to be old school. You're going to be telling people two generations from now that you used to use your hands to type on a keyboard, and they're going to be like, wow, that's so quaint, uh, because the, the other goal of this, when I talk about making it impossible to unplug, the other goal of this is to bring the metaverse physically inside you, literally. That's, that's what uh, the Elon Musk of the world are planning to do. And that, again, has enormous potential because technology is amoral. It's not immoral. It has no inherent good or bad. Uh, like a gun itself is not a villain, and neither is fire or a wheel. But the people who are lighting the fires and shooting the guns and rolling the wheels, that's historically the problem. Uh, so, um, Hey, Grandpa, yeah. you used your eyes to look at a screen? Mm -hmm. Exactly. That, to me, that blows my mind. That's because that's going to be weird. I always think of that scene in Back to the Future 2 with little Elijah Wood where uh, Marty McFly goes into the retro, you know, 80s uh, diner or whatever and does his whole, like, you know, video game shoot -em up kind of thing and then flips the gun around. And the kids goes, you have to use your hands <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> right. I always thought that was very interesting and very appropriate to, to this kind of conversation. Okay, so now that we have 
scared the virtual pants out of everyone. Uh, and we didn't. You we had didn't pants in you? <laughs> just, <laughs> yes, that's sorry, the next sorry. thing is the neural <laughs> in pants. Uh, pants are inside. Neural impants, yes. Uh, so uh, now we can hopefully put a bit of reassurance your way. We can put a bit of solve on this uh, cognitive wound. There is a good chance, there is a non-zero chance that this current push is just going to flop. It's just going to fall flat. And that's ma- honestly, that's mainly because of the gear required. People will have to buy new stuff. Right. Uh, and until that purchasing becomes normalized or subsidized, like our earlier point about the phone system in the US, it was a calculated move to get more people buying stuff, to enable them to buy things that they normally would not be able to afford and perhaps not inclined to uh, buy into. But this. Yeah, that's so why this, video game companies historically take yes. a loss on their consoles right. so that they can exactly. get you to buy the drug, which is the game. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Or, or, or the same way printer manufacturers take a loss on their printers because they know they're going to get you on the hook for life with their ink. Just so. Yes, this is an old tactic and it's very effective. And uh, the strategy for deploying the metaverse and getting you inside that door it's going to mimic the same steps uh, in in a in what might be portrayed as a surprising way, but it's really not. Anyone who is acting like, "Oh, whoa, how'd this happen?" They are either they either don't know what they're talking about, or they're purposely misleading you. But this, it, so again, this current push may fail. But the important part to remember is not that. The important part to remember is the current push is only the current push. If it does fail, it's not going to fail the way 3D television failed. It's going to fail the way that early soda companies failed. There's still going to be people who want to be Coke, who want to be Pepsi, and they will exist. The metaverse is on the way. So at this point, you know, uh, we have to say, This episode, this concept is something we have to revisit because it is uh, an ongoing event. It's unfolding. So the information we uncover this time next year may be radically different. It may indeed alter uh, our collective opinion of this stuff. But but right now, Matt, Noel, uh, what do you you guys think before we before we hand this off to our fellow conspiracy realists? I'm distracted because Dr. Venkman is being adorable again oh, in you your can screen. See him? Yeah. He's like a he's like a living scarf. <laughs> Dr. Yeah. Venkman. I don't know, man. I feel the same way about it as I did about Twitter, but then I was totally proven wrong about that. Um, I think this is different because it's not, it, it is very similar to stuff we've seen. It's just kind of an escalation of it, and it really does require a buy in. And we've seen, you know, attempts to get uh, Oculuses and all of that stuff saturated, and it just hasn't happened. It's more like of a novelty. Um, but you guys both have one, so <laughs> you start to really see, feel that saturation when, like, everyone you know has the thing. And, you know, we're friends with a certain type of folks that are maybe a little more tech savvy and, early adopters. By the way, I always think it's interesting that the word adoption is used uh, when it comes to yeah. technology. Yeah. Um, 
So maybe we're uh, skewed a little bit, but I, I don't know. Um, you're right. I mean, they Facebook owns Oculus. They own, you know, they are now meta. Uh, they obviously know something that we sort of know, maybe some things that we don't. So I don't know. It's a pretty big, bold choice for a company of that size to make without having uh, the, the data to back up that it's going to be a success. Yeah. I, guys, I know we're going extra long. I just had to express a few things really fast, Ben. Ooh, um, go for it. This episode has filled me with existential dread, uh, unlike many other episodes that we've done. There have been a few, such mm-hmm. as coronal mass ejections. Um, I had to, after researching and watching a bunch of stuff, I had to squeegee my mind a bit. I watched a YouTube video from Forgotten Shine Restoration where uh, the person restores a cleaver. But physically doesn't, goes through all the processes. Just to remind me that you can have physical, real-world skills and achieve something awesome like that uh, just by learning how to do it in this plane and then actually physically doing it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because I was just watching all the virtual stuff occurring, all the different achievements that are coming and all the excitement about this other place. Um, It feels as though this is a not a distraction, necessarily but almost brave new world level drug kind of thing that we're gonna have available to us it will be everywhere everyone can get it if you want it and everybody's gonna want it because it's gonna be so bad out here in this space that we we have to go inside instead subscribe to soma yes brought to you by illumination global unlimited a subsidiary of facebook uh yeah sorry for actually, the downer it's just really no, how, no, like, no. it's it's true man and 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 also, you know, we we have to wrap today's episode, but we haven't even talked about the hardwired physiological cognitive limits of the human brain, of the architecture. You're not built for this. No one is. No one is built to be plugged in all the time. Uh, you know, you spend like a third of your life sleeping, right? Is there sleep in the metaverse? Does there have to be? And I say this as a guy who's clearly anti-sleep and has been for longer than people might expect. But uh, but at this point, we want to hand the we want to hand the torch, want to hand the the keys to the door to you. What is your take on the metaverse, folks? Uh, do you think it is? Do you agree with us that something like this is inevitable? Do you think it is overall a net positive? Do you think it is a good thing, a bad thing? What what do you see playing out? What are some things that you think? people need to consider as we move into this brave new digital world. We'd love to hear your take. We try to be easy to find online. I do want to point out, I just went to, here's where it gets crazy. Our Facebook page, we were joking about this. We're like, oh yeah, that's right. At the end of this episode, we are still going to shout out Facebook. Our Facebook page, here's where it gets crazy, is home to the largest concentration of your fellow conspiracy realists, the best mods in the business, all volunteers, their opinions Mm -hmm. are their own. Uh, So shout out to you all. And uh, if you want to be part of that, all you have to do is answer, answer a question, name the host. Give us a joke that makes us laugh. Hashtag no joke left behind. Uh, I'd like to especially shout out Jane W. Just popped on. And uh, when asked to name the host, I thought you guys would appreciate this. Uh, Jane said, Beastie Boy Ben, Metallica Matt, Slip Not Sure How to Spell, Noel. 
And for the record, <laughs> Jane did spell it correctly. So yeah, well, I mean, there is a K-N sound in, you know, Slipknot. And I do often get people thinking my name is spelled K-N-O-L-L, like the grassy mm-hmm. one, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that uh, would just be for cool. anyone out there, let's just put this to bed. It's N-O-E-L, okay? It's like Noel, but pronounced Noel. And you can also find us on Instagram. You can find us on Twitter if you don't sip the social meads, uh, especially after this episode. We get it. We totally get it. Uh, you could go analog uh, and you can call us directly. Yes, please call me. I, I will interact with you socially via the phone. <laughs> we will. We all will. Uh, the number is one eight three three stdwytk When you call in, give yourself a cool nickname just helps with a little anonymity there you have three minutes to say whatever you'd like bonus points if you can make us laugh but if you've got more to say than can fit in that three minutes consider instead sending us a good old-fashioned email we are conspiracy at iheartradio.com Stuff They Don't Want You to Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Attention, true crime enthusiast. Searching for a way to unwind after diving deep into the mysteries that keep you up at night? Look no further. Introducing Lazarus Naturals, your trusted companion for CBD relief. With a commitment to transparency, Lazarus Naturals oversees every step from farm to doorstep, ensuring purity and quality you can trust. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today and discover how CBD can help you decompress and recharge for your next investigation. That's LazarusNaturals.com. Lazarus Naturals. Your partner in unraveling the mysteries of true crime. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch vertical speedway. And now, for a limited time, get more Cedar Point fun for less with our limited-time bundle for just $49.99. Get admission, parking, and all-day drinks for one low price. But you better hurry, because this bundle won't last long. Save now at cedarpoint.com. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it and travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel, it's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.